Father, we just want to thank you once again this morning. Father, we just want to come to you in the name of Jesus, the name above every name. Yes, Lord. Flowing from the heart are the issues of our heart. And therefore this morning I pray, Lord, that you would establish our heart in truth. Father, that Lord, you would go into the deep most recess of our heart, oh Lord, change us from the inside out <clears throat> and cause us to walk in your ways, oh Lord. Teach us your ways, show us your paths. As you promised us in the new covenant, Lord, that you would write your laws on the tables of our heart and cause us to walk in your ways. And therefore, do that work of writing this morning, O oh Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Anoint us afresh. Teach us, Lord. Teach us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, Lord. We praise you. We worship you. <clears throat> we give you glory, O oh Lord. Thank you, Father. We give you glory. Once again, this commit this entire time into your hands. Commit this time of meditation into your hands. Teach us your ways and show us your paths. We praise you. We worship in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so we've been giving a, a promise of restoration. And one of the things that we need, all need to realize is that it is impossible. It is impossible for us to live the Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit. If without the God who empowers us, without the Lord who's going to back us up. And uh, that is the reason why in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10, um, Paul will make a very powerful statement. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong where? In the Lord and in the power of his might. Okay. It is not by power. It is not by strength. It is by my spirit. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that whatever God has promised, if it has to come to pass, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's impossible for us otherwise. And therefore, how do we, it's just not a one time, but it is continuous. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 1. Um, this is uh, Jesus before he um, is uh, taken away into heavens. He's, this is what he says to his disciples. And he said to him, it is not for you uh, to know the times and seasons. No, he says, all authority has been given to me. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. So, but that authority is uh, is useless unless and we, until we have the power to implement that authority, right? And therefore he says, but you shall receive power, the power of the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. And uh, Ephesians chapter 5 will say, uh, look at what it says, we know this very well, see that you uh, walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, knowing that the days are evil, and don't be unwise, but understand what the will of God is. Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation or wastage, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is this is the way uh, for Christian life. It is to be filled with the Holy Spirit continually. Okay, to be filled with the Holy Spirit continually. To be in a presence where there's a continuous flow of the Holy Spirit. Uh, rem- uh, remember in Psalm 1 it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Uh, for he shall be like a tree... Who's that person who's going to be uh, like a tree who pl- who's planted by the rivers of water? It says, uh, the one uh, who's meditating upon his word and who's delighting in his law and is meditating upon it day and night. 
And then it says, he shall be like a tree planted by the water, which shall bring forth its fruit, what? When? In its season. Now, that's remarkable, isn't it? For the Christian life, there is no season. We have to bear fruit all season. Remember the fig tree whom, whom Jesus cursed? He goes and sees, to, uh, sees the green leaves and he goes close to the fig tree to see if there is fruit. And he realizes that there is no fruit and he curses it. Right? And therefore, uh, in the book of Ezekiel, you'll see there's a different picture. What is the picture? Uh, I think it's the book of Revelation, if I'm right. Where there's a continuous flow of the Holy Spirit uh, and then you have fruit all 12 months of the year. Every season. And that is essentially the, 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 the position of a believer who is under the continuous flow of the Holy Spirit. Okay, continuous flow. And that should never stop in our lives. We sang that song, out of the heart shall flow the issues of life. Okay, and out of the, out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth will overflow. And Jesus says, uh, if you come to me, out of your belly shall flow what? Rivers of living water. That's a flow. It is a continuous flow of the Holy Spirit and that should never stop in our lives. And that is what we need every day of our lives. So, how do we come under the, uh, how do we come to a place? How do we come to a place where the power of the Holy Spirit is always with us? He's empowering us. I mean, we may not sense it, feel it in that uh, in the way that we want uh, to experience but we know that we are under the power of the holy spirit um, there's a there's a there's a name uh, that is given to god uh, he's called the all powerful god the almighty god uh, what is the hebrew equivalent of that anybody knows the almighty god all powerful god excuse me El Shaddai, exactly, El Shaddai. And if you remember, if you want, if you look at the Bible, the very first time the word El Shaddai comes, uh, is in Genesis chapter 17. We know this very familiar passage, but we'll always look for surprises. Genesis chapter 17. The very first time the word, where God reveals himself as El Shaddai, the Almighty God. Now, who's this person? This person is, you know this person very well, Abraham, who is 99 years old, now is, who cannot generate anything in and of himself. He has come to a point of absolute fruitlessness, if you will. Okay, He has got an Ishmael, but that is not acceptable to God. He's barren, complete barren. He's dead. Okay, And unless and until God moves into his life in a supernatural way, and continues to work in his life, he will never be able to finish the purpose for for which God has come into his life. Therefore, he 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 comes to him at a point and reveals himself by a name that is Almighty God, which is El Shaddai. So let us look at how we can come and uh, this is the type of a believer who's come to the end of himself and he says, Lord, I do not have anything in in no resources in and of myself to bear fruit, but I want to be in a position always where there's a continuous flow in my life and. Therefore, I am bearing fruit. So let us see uh, how, uh, as, as a believer, how we can be in a position where we continuously bear fruit. Okay, we may not look at it, we may not see it, but it's because it's an internal thing, right? It's a fruit of the Spirit, is an internal thing. Genesis chapter 17, let us see. <clears throat> let's read a few verses and then... Uh, let's read on, uh, let's move on. Uh, maybe one, one to eight verses and then we'll see the other one, other verses as well. When Abraham was uh, 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said to him, notice the word said, okay? If you have it in your Bible, underline it because something, there's going to be a shift from said to something else, okay? Said, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless or be perfect. So, he says, I am the Almighty. 
Okay, he's introducing himself as a name, the all-powerful God. And I, now you know, I know you are absolutely fruitless. <laughs> Remember the first miracle that Elisha does. He comes to a place uh, where everything looks beautiful on the outside. And then the pe- people of that uh, town come to him and he says, My Lord, everything might look beautiful on the outside, but absolutely dead. There's no fruit here at all. It's absolutely barren. And Elisha says something, does very something very powerful. He takes salt and he pours and cleanses the water there, right? And then, of course, from that time onwards, it never remains fruitless. So I am the Almighty God, the Almighty God, the the God who is going to give you the strength to actually fulfill the destiny destiny that I have for you in your life. So I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless, be perfect. Other translations will use the word perfect, complete, whole. Or rather, press on towards maturity. Become the mature believer. That maturity means you're moving towards a point where you know you're. I mean, you're growing where uh, you're fulfilling your God-given destiny. And I will make my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. How much? Okay. See, addition. I cannot add to you exceedingly. I can only multiply exceedingly. That is the reason why the principle of compound interest is the greatest miracle of mathematics. Not simple interest. Okay. Now, if you if you if you people know have have drawn graphs, you know. Remember uh, the exponential graph. How does it start? Anybody knows? Very slow. Remember exponential graph? I don't know if uh, uh, some people are looking at me very strangely. It's called an exponential graph. You know how it starts? Very slow. Very slow. It starts, and within a few minutes, it shoots up. No, it's called asymptotic. No, it asymptotically shoots up. It goes towards infinity. Okay. But it's, the, the initial start is very slow. But that's exactly how compound interest happens. No, uh, What we call is there is a difference between uh, a fixed deposit and recurring deposit. Right? A recurring, which, is, which gives you more yield? A recurring, exactly. Okay? Because the principal gets added to the, uh, the interest gets added to the principal and it keeps on multiplying, multiplying, multiplying. So interest upon interest upon interest. And what happens is that it's a very slow process initially, but if you are, you know, patient and uh, you don't expect results in a day, and if you believe in the principle of delayed gratification, okay, the yield is exponential. And after a while, you know, it's called the parable of the pipeline. No, there's a, there's a, there's two ways of making money. You know, this guy who goes to the water every day, taking two buckets. Okay, fills two buckets of water, and comes back to his home and uh, fills his trough with water. And there's another guy who's building a pipeline from the river to the to the home. Okay, and this fellow says, "What are you doing? I'm building a pipeline. Hey, look at me. You don't even have water. It's going to take a long time." He says, be patient, okay. And one fine day, this guy builds a pipeline and he puts a motor over there. You know, fruitful. That's exactly what God, God wants us to do. He wants to make us, make us exceedingly fruitful. A lot of people, they're, they're doing, you know what, they're going to the word and uh, filling uh, <laughs> uh, oil and maybe pouring it into their lives. But you know what God says, I want to have a pipeline, I want to send a pipeline. Remember the, 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 the parable of, rather the vision of Zechariah? Uh, the two, yeah, olive grooves, this continuous flow of the anointing. It's a parable of the pipeline. Hmm? Understand? 
So we need a continuous flow of the Holy Spirit, right? So, and God is saying, I, I'm going to just not multiply you. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to add to you. I'm going to what? Multiply exceedingly. And the New Testament authors, they understood this principle so perfectly. And therefore, whenever they introduce their letters, whenever they write, the introduction part of every letter, every letter says, let grace and peace be what? Multiply. He says, I will multiply. And Peter says, add to your faith all these things, but I will multiply. God will multiply. Understand? So I will make my covenant between me and you and I will multiply you just not ordinarily but exceedingly. Therefore God is able to do what? Exceedingly, abundantly, even above what we can even ask or even think. Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 20. Don't forget, right? All these verses, we've been learning them, uh, uh, remembering them and uh, uh, been meditating upon them. So what happens? Immediately when this, when this voice comes to Abraham, how does it, what, what does Abraham do? Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, John's Gospel chapter 15, you know, we, uh, we know this, right? I am the vine, you are the branches. Unless you abide in me, without me you can do what? Nothing. You can be, you'll be absolutely fruitless without me. You need my continuous flow. This is what we call as abiding. See, a branch abiding means what? It's continuously connected to the, to the, to the, to the trunk and the sap is flowing continuously. The life is continuously flowing through it. Okay. And that is when it's, it's able to bear fruit all season. Okay. All season fruit. And he says, my words, uh, abide in you and you ask, you ask whatever you want and I will give it to you. So, so what does, what does God tell Abraham? He says, Abraham, walk before me and be blameless or be perfect. So in other words, he says, if you want to be under my continuous flow of the anointing, two things you have to do. You have to walk before me. And then, even as you walk before me, press on towards completion or blamelessness or be uh, uh, live a life which is without blemish. Now the point here is this, where should you walk? Walk before me. Now the word, word is very interesting. The word is before my presence or before my face. Or rather the faces. Now, what does it mean to walk before God? And what does, what does it mean to walk before the presence of God? What does it mean? And what are what does God give us when we walk in His presence? What does the presence signify especially? So the very first time the word Presence comes in the Bible again. You know, the law of first mention, uh, El Shaddai and the presence. It comes, it comes in Genesis chapter 3. You know this very well. Famous word. Verse 8 onwards. Only verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord, God, walking in the garden, in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from where? From the presence of the Lord. The very first time you see the word presence of the Lord comes in the Bible. What is Adam doing? Hiding. Now, what, what is there in the presence of the Lord? There are three things which are mentioned over there. Very specifically. Very specifically. In the presence of the Lord, you do three things. Three things happen. First, you hear the voice of God. What do you hear? The voice of God. Okay, very important. Now, the, the presence of the Lord, when, does, when was God, God walking, they heard the voice of God in the what of the day? Ah, now the word for cool is very interesting. You know what the word for cool is? Excuse me? Ruach, yes. Spirit. Okay. Where you experience His spirit. Okay. And school of the what? 
of the day, which the Hebrew word for day is Yom. Okay, remember when the Lord, the Lord uh, made, uh, created, when they let there be light and uh, there was light and he separated light from darkness and what did he call uh, the light? Day and the darkness he called night. So when he says, and you are walking in the cool of the day means you are, you experience his light and you experience his spirit and you have light about yourself. Three things you have. You hear the voice of God, you experience the conviction of the Holy Spirit and third thing, you have light about your own self. Three things happen in the presence of the Lord. And therefore when God is asking Abraham, he's saying, walk before me and be thou blameless means what? How can you walk before me? Walk in a position where you are continuously, what? Hearing the voice of God. Not just the word of God. You are hearing the voice of God. And remember when uh, Samuel confronts uh, Saul. You know what Saul says? I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. Exactly. The voice. You experience the spirit, the ruach, the cool, the cool, the word for kual is cool, the spirit, the spirit of God is there, right there in the presence of God. And then you have a light. You have light about yourself. Okay. And that is the reason why Bible says, the light came into this world, but men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil but whoever is of the light what does he do he he comes he comes out of darkness shows that his works are done in the light that his works are wrought of god and he shows himself this is what it is that is the reason why it says in ephesians chapter 5 reprove those things which are unfruitful the unfruitful works of darkness don't hide them but expose them reprove them and what what exposes is light there are works of darkness and there is a fruit of the spirit, right? There's a works, works of darkness and there's a fruit of the spirit. So what is the presence of the Lord? The presence of the Lord is where you hear the voice of God, you experience the spirit of God, the manifest presence of the spirit of God, okay? Where he begins to bring conviction into your life and you have light. Remember when uh, the very first three verses in the Bible says, in the beginning God created heaven and the earth and the earth was without form and and darkness was covering on the face of the deep and the spirit of the Lord was hovering. It was hovering. And, and the spirit of the Lord will no, do nothing except what? The word of the Lord comes. That is the reason why worship is such a powerful, uh, powerful, powerful instrument or or, or tool or uh, that God has given us. So when we worship God, we, before we come to the word of God, when we worship God, the spirit of the Lord, the entire place is filled with the presence of the spirit of the Lord. He's hovering in that place. And when the preacher comes and speaks the word, what happens? You have what? Light. That is the reason why it says that the entrance of your word brings what? Brings light. But if the entrance of your word brings us to, for the entrance of the word to bring light, what should you have? You have to have the manifest presence of the Spirit of God in that place. So that you can hear the voice of God and so that the convictions of the Lord may be, uh, may be established in, in your heart. But remember, is it, isn't it interesting? The very first time the word, the presence of the Lord is mentioned in the Bible, what is the, what is man doing? Hiding. That's a problem. We hide. Hmm? We hide. We don't like to uh, ask the Lord to hmm, show us what we are. Hmm? We hide. It's, it's interesting. The second time the presence of the Lord is mentioned in the Bible, Adam hides. Hmm. The another person, what does he do? Genesis chapter 4 verse 16. The, then Cain, what? Went out from where? From the presence of the Lord. 
and dwelt in the land of Nod in the east of Garden. What does he do? You know, the place for the, the word Nod means what? Wandering. He became became a wanderer. See, the first time the word presence of the Lord is mentioned, what is Adam doing? He is hiding. And the second time the word presence of the Lord is doing uh, is mentioned, what, what is Cain doing? He is fleeing. He's running away. So he tells me one thing. Okay. If you are Adam, you will hide. If you are Cain, you will wander. You will flee. Okay. <laughs> okay. Therefore, you have to be in Christ and not in Adam. Understand that. Because it says, uh, John's Gospel chapter 80 says, I am the light of the world. He who walks in me shall not walk in darkness, but he will have the light of life. John's Gospel chapter 8 verse 12. He will have the what? Light of life. Because I am the light of the world. That is the second Adam. So in the second Adam, there is light. And if you dwell in that light, remember, remember if you read through the book of Romans, you know, one of the, the book of uh, the entire epistle to the uh, to Romans is about the righteousness of God and the outworking of the righteousness of God. You know, what is the outworking of the righteousness of God? No condemnation. There is therefore now what? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you're, as long as you're in Adam, you will hide. But if you are in Christ, you will expose, you will bring forth whatever is there inside and say, Lord, reprove me. I want to walk in the light. I don't want to run away from your presence. I don't want to hide from your presence. I don't want to flee from your presence. Look at what it says. Another, another, another passage in John's gospel. Uh, this is not John's gospel. This is Jonah. Jonah chapter one and verse uh, one onwards. Now the word of the Lord. And uh, you can, in, in your Bible, you can see, uh, you can understand, uh, underline the word. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Neveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up to me. And what does, what does Jonah do? Hmm. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from where? From the presence of the Lord. You see? Okay. So, and you need to understand, the presence of the Lord and the Spirit of God, they are so intricately connected. Wherever the presence of the Lord is there, there is the anointing, the, the spirit of the Lord is there. And he is the one who is bringing conviction. So you have two options. Either you hide like Adam and you become a hypocrite or you flee like Cain and become a wanderer and a, and a rebel. Or you come into Christ and experience no condemnation. Understand? Okay. And when you experience no condemnation, what happens? This is what uh, 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 David has to say in Psalm 139. I love this verse. He says, look at what he says. How the spirit of the Lord and the presence of the Lord, the manifest presence of the Lord, how they come, how they are intertwined together. Psalm 139 verse 7 onwards. Where can I, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? You see that? The spirit of the Lord and the presence of the Lord coming together. And you know what he says? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, <laughs> you are there. Ascending into heaven, meaning early, early morning you do your devotions, that is when you are ascending into heaven. Isn't it interesting that you make your bed in hell? I, I always picture this, no? A man who is sitting on his couch and turning the TV. What are, what are you doing? Making your bed. Okay? 
God is there in both places. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall upon me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. And therefore he says, Lord, search me and know me. Search me, Lord. That's what how it how it ends. Psalm one thirty nine. Search me, Lord, and know me. See my hidden thoughts and lead me to the way of everlasting life. So the Spirit of God and the presence of God. Two two options. I mean, three options we have. What are the uh, three options we have? Either you hide. Either you flee, or either you get convicted and allow the Holy Spirit of God to do its work in our lives. That is how you walk before God and be blameless. So that you can come under the... See, God wants to empower us. Okay, But he first, before He empowers us, He wants to rot His character inside of us. He wants to make us transparent. People without guile. That is the reason why it says, blessed is the man whose transgression is what? Forgiven, whose iniquity is purged. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute sin. And in whose what? Spirit. There is no guile or deceit. And that is the reason why David cries out. Look at what he, look at what David says in Psalm 51. You know, we know this verse very well, right? The Spirit of God and the presence of God. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit. It is the anointing, Lord. It is the anointing which made me to, to, to fight against Goliath. It was the anointing which caused me to do un, I mean, supernatural things. It was the anointing of God over my life. It was the anointing of God which helped me to guard my father's sheep. It was the anointing of God which helped me to overcome the bear and the lion. My secret lives and my public life. And I don't want to lose that anointing. It is the anointing, Lord. It is the presence of God. The manifest presence of the Holy Spirit is presence is felt in the presence of God. That is the reason why it's so important for us to constantly evaluate our hearts and check our hearts. Understand this. I want to show you five usages. I mean, not use. I can. You cannot use the Holy Spirit. Five five ways the Holy Spirit works in our lives. Five ways the Holy Spirit works. This is the work of God inside of us, not the empowering of the Holy Spirit. It is the work of God inside of us, so that you can come under the continuous flow of the Holy Spirit, and truly you will experience God as El Shaddai. Okay, understand that. So five. No, we'll find this. Spirit of God is also called the Spirit of. Grace, and you find these five in the gospel according to John. First, you'll see in John's gospel, chapter 14, verse 15 onwards. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Who is that? The Holy Spirit. That he may abide with you. How long? No, that he may abide. It is not that he will abide. No, 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 no. He may abide. Remember, I saw the heavens open and the Holy Spirit coming and descending upon the who? The man of God, the lamb. Exactly, the lamb of God. The Holy Spirit only will dwell with the lamb because the Holy Spirit is very, very gentle. And the only one person with whom he he literally abided all the days of his life on earth was the lamb of God. Okay. And he says about the bride, these are those who follow the lamb wherever they go. Okay. These are the people who follow their la- the lamb wherever they go. That means what? They have the same spirit of the lamb. Okay. Not goat. Goats are rebels. And Holy Spirit is very sensitive. Very, very sensitive. That he may abide. Who's he? He's called the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. 
Because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. So very first working of the Holy Spirit is that he He gives us the assurance that we are no longer what? Orphans. You are no longer Orphans, the spirit of rejection. Remember the pastor talked about it, about, about it. The moment Adam was sent out from the, uh, uh, from the garden of Eden, what was Adam under? He was under the spirit of rejection. He was accepted. The first, very first word Adam heard about himself was what? About himself. Good. Not just good. Very good. Imagine now if you, if you get a very good from your teacher. Those days, all the marks have been written and we good, we we good, we 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 good. Hmm? Back in those days, I don't know if you have those teachers these days as well. Hmm? Okay, we 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 good. And one place you will never receive we good is in language. In English and in Telugu. Never. <laughs> never. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> my least mark was in English <laughs> when I was in, when I was in, uh, uh, in uh, class 10. Class 10, the least mark was English, the second least mark was Hindi and the third least mark was Gult. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so languages, right? I will not leave you as what? Orphans, I will come to you. So what God is saying, the very first thing that the Holy Spirit will make you is, He will He will give you the assurance that, you know what, He will give you the confidence that you are no longer an orphan, you can come to God anytime. Okay. And you know that you are accepted. Okay. That is how um, Paul addresses uh, uh, the Romans, right? He says, uh, he says, uh, the beloved of God. The beloved of God. And what is that orphans? The same spirit which Caused Jesus to know that he was loved of the Father. He was loved of the Father. The same spirit is there upon each one of us to give us the assurance that we are also what? Loved of the Father. That he has got our best interests in mind. He wants to make us what? 100% fruitful. Every test, 100% he wants to, he wants us to get. And he is there willing to do whatever it takes, uh, to, Ensure that you you get hundred. I mean, I, I saw some movies. You no, know, this this father wants to get his son pass his exam. So what does he do? He makes all the chits because this fellow is not even able to study anymore. So he goes to examination hall before the uh, you know before the uh, the bell rings and he hides himself and goes into the to the to the close to the examination hall, trying to prompt his son with all the answers just to ensure that he passes. That is how, that is of course, our, our father will not do such things. But I'm saying, he's, he has our best interests in our in his mind. So he says in Romans chapter 8, look at what he says. For you have not received the spirit of what? Bondage again to fear, but you have received what? The spirit of adoption, whereby we cry out what? Abba, Father. That is the reason why we can cry out, uh, to call God Father. God what? Father. Abba, Father, who art in heaven. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the what? We are the what? Children of God. Okay. But that is the reason why we have to be born again. He, we have to be born again of the Spirit. Okay. As many as have received Him, He gave them the authority to be what? Called the children of God. Those who are not born of the flesh or the will of the man or of blood, but who are born of God. Right? 
You have the spirit of adoption. You have the assurance. Galatians chapter 4 verse 6. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son. What is that? Sent forth the what of his son? The spirit of his son. It's called the spirit of Christ. The same spirit which empowered his son. It says, uh, I think Acts chapter 10 verse 38. If you can quickly turn to it. Acts chapter 10 verse 38. What does it say? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and delivering people of demons and healing the sick. Right? Three things. So the same spirit which was empowering Christ was which was in Christ, the spirit of Christ will be there with each one of us. And just as Christ Jesus was anointed of the of the Father to to do good and to deliver people of 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 demons etc and heal them the same spirit is available for each one of us as well and god is not a respecter of persons the second thing because you are sons what does god do ha huh, this is difficult difficult for us no so the, see if you want to be under the continuous flow of the holy spirit in your life you cannot be a wanderer you cannot be a rebel you have to be a son all right hebrews chapter 12 so what does he do <laughs> what does he do Okay, you have not resisted unto blood striving against them, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks unto you as unto children. So what does he do? He exhorts us. Exhort. You know what exhortation means? This is what you can be. Come on, do it, man. Hmm? My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked of him. I, I like the KJV because it's so raw. Because we, whenever we, are, whenever we are chastened and we are rebuked, we faint. All gali is this. Over, unrebuke is over. Right, unrebuke. Okay, for whom the Lord loves. He chastens. So, how do you know that God has accepted you as his son? Oh, he chastens you. Okay. That is one of the things that he will do. And it's a beautiful thing. It is, that is the reason why uh, in um, Psalm 119, David says, It was good for me that I was afflicted. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I know your righteous decrees. Would to God that we have the same kind of attitude that David had. Lord, thank you, Lord. And he says, Lord, in your faithfulness, thou hast rebuked me. <laughs> thou hast afflicted me. You see, how do you know that Lord, 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 Lord is faithful and he has accepted you as his son? He will make you go through the process of discipline and chastening. No, discipline is just not spanking us. No, no, no. That is when we do wrong. Discipline is also a process where he trains us. Allowing difficult circumstances to come into our life. Both, both, both these things are important. Okay, when we go wrong, he has to chasten us and he has to take us through a process of suffering and correction and discipline and, 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 and struggles so that we know. That is exactly what he did with Joseph. He sent a man before them, Joseph, right? And then he afflicted him, etc. He made him go through that process of testing. It was a process of disciplining him. Okay. So that is how we know that we are uh, sons. And therefore he says, if you endure chastening, God 
deals you with her sons, for what son is whom the Lord does not chasten it. But if you are without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh who corrected us, and we have given them, given them much reverence. How much more we should be in subjection of the, to the father of our spirits and live. Okay? This is important. So how do you know that you are a child of God? You are a son of God? The Holy Spirit will allow chastening into your life. Look at what it says in Proverbs chapter 29, verse number 15. The NIV translation is very interesting. We can actually read it together. A rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a child left to himself disgraces his mother. What do you want to do? Be left to yourself? Or to use a rod of correction. I think that's what Pastor was talking about. I think one few few days back he says, what do you want me to do? Leave you, leave you to yourself? Or to use a rod of correction? Okay. What do you want? You see, remember, God gave them over to a debased mind. You will deteriorate. Why? Because by default, we are fools. We may be intelligent and talented. But we are fools. We are talented, intelligent fools. Whatever genius fools. Okay. <laughs> okay. We are genius, but we are fools. <laughs> we have all the abilities and the giftings. We are gifted fools. Whatever adjective that you can, you want to put your, put it. I, I think what describes a noun? Yeah, adjective, right? Ah, look at what it says in Proverbs chapter 22 verse 15. Foolishness is where he is bound up. It is not there. It is bound. So in order to remove it, what you should do? You should unwind it. <laughs> Unbind it. <laughs> where is it? Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child and therefore the rod of correction, what will it do? It will drive it far away. Okay, 2215 Proverbs. 226. Verse 6, we know this verse again very well. Train up a child in the way that he should go. When? When he is a child. He's young. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child. The word for train is very interesting. The word for train is, remember when Solomon dedicates the temple? The word when Solomon dedicated the temple. The same word for dedication is used here. Train up. So that is the reason why what do we do in our church? We dedicate so when we are dedicating our children, we are saying, you know what, we as parents have have taken up the responsibility to discipline them because we know what the Bible says, foolishness is there in the heart of the child, but the rod of correction only will drive it away. That is the reason why it says in first, Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 15, it says, you have known the scriptures when? From childhood, which is able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, Wise unto salvation. Through faith in Jesus Christ. So the very first thing the Spirit of God does is He ensures and He gives us the assurance that we are the children of God. We are not orphans. And one of the hallmarks of, of or the fact that we are not orphans is that when God rebukes us and chastises us and disciplines us and takes us through the process. And when we know, see, when you go through the process of training, what happens ultimately? You become successful. Are you happy? Oh yeah, of course you are happy. Remember? 
Mm, every time a person who wins a Grand Slam, they ask him this, uh, the inter- interview, what is his standard answer? I thank for my team and we've been working hard. We put in the yards and we went into strict training and for the last 12 months of hard work has paid, paid off. Of course, Rafa is going to go for the 21st slam now. <laughs> okay. He's already on the in the finals. Okay. But I hope he wins it. It's going to be interesting. 29 Grand Slam finals. Out of 29, he has won 20. 20 out of 29. That's his conversion rate. Okay. Interesting, isn't it? And and one of the things that every person, when they talk about Rafa, you know what they talk about? They talk about his discipline and his work ethic. And about his coach. His coach never made life easy for him. If he would break a racket, he would make a racket. Give him a, I mean, you'll see one of the things that Rafa has never done in his 20 years of his career, or 20, more than 20 years of his career, of his, uh, of his, uh, of his, uh, um, of his tennis career, he has never broken a single racket. That's a, that's in itself a great Grand Slam title. Train up a child. Because ultimately you'll see the fruit. You will see the fruit. It will come to pass. That is the reason I says, do not lose heart. Do not grow weary in doing good for in due season you will reap the harvest of what? Of holiness if you come through this process of discipline. God wants us to be partakers of his holiness and of his righteousness and the fruit of discipline is what? All holiness and all righteousness. Okay. So, God is, God is what? He wants us, he wants us to succeed. Therefore, understand this. So he makes us, uh, he makes us, uh, he gives us the assurance that we are his son. First, first thing. Second thing. John's Gospel chapter 14. These things I have spoken to you. What does the Spirit of God do? These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, what will he do? He will teach you all things. Wow. See, I am not the teacher. Who's the teacher? The Holy Spirit is a teacher. He is the one who will teach us all things. He is your constant number one guide. All the time with you. He will teach you. He will make things relevant for you in your own situation. Okay. What is it? I might be giving you a lot of uh, truth, but the Holy Spirit is the one who is actually teaching you. That is the reason why it says in Isaiah chapter 54 verse 13, all your sons will be Thought of the Lord and great will be their what? Peace. You know what the word for peace is? Shalom, which means completion or perfection. Okay. Great will be their prosperity or their peace. All your sons will be taught of the Lord. And how does it, how does he teach you? He teaches us through the Holy Spirit. He is our guide. Okay. He is our guide. Constant guide. I'm, I'm telling you, you know, you, 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 whatever sphere you're, you're working in, whichever field you're working in, Holy Spirit is your guide. I remember one, one of my friends, uh, uh, his name is Ajay, okay. He came from a Telugu medium background. Telugu medium till intermediate. And he wrote his MSAT exam and he became a, he got a seat in engineering college. And the moment he got into the engineering college, the instruction, the medium of instruction was in English. And he was struggling like anything. And and he was a believer by then. He would pray to the Lord and he said, Lord, I do not know how to do this. You should teach me. You, his personal testimony, okay, his personal testimony, Vijay, I'm telling you, not, and, and I believe him, the uh, genuine guy, he came to our church once, once upon a time when he was, he was uh, in HCU those days. He was doing his masters. He said, Vijay, 
when I was struggling in my examination hall, I just said, Lord, I'm not able to answer this. The very spirit of God came into my hand. It started writing the answers through my hand. You know what that guy is now? He was a gold medalist in mass MTech from HCU in uh, VLSI, your field. And of course, later on, God called him to full-time ministry and now he's working in Karnataka as a as a full-time minister. Okay, from HCU. Masters, gold medalist. I know him. Every field, whatever field it is. Okay. Now, now nowadays, I made a conscious decision with all my students that I have. They all struggle, no? I said, Lord, grant a supernatural strength. Because some of them need it. They're all, <laughs> they're null and void only. <laughs> some of them. <laughs> because it's interesting, you teach them this day, today, the next day he will forget. And he says, sir, I don't understand. I said, just yesterday we taught, I taught it and I was shouting at the top of my voice. Sir, I don't remember. And you know what? Every, now I'm making a conscious decision. A conscious decision every day. I said, Lord, I lay hands on that, that kid and I said, Lord, grant them supernatural strength, Lord. Do I see the fruit immediately? No. But it will come. <laughs> it will come. <laughs> you see, supernatural. Same, with, same thing with my daughter also. Abigail. You know, sometimes she gives me a blank stare. It goes through me like that. Just yesterday I taught you. Hmm? Yeah. <laughs> you need supernatural strength and God will give. God will give. Okay. So for believer, if you are in any field, without the spirit of God you can do. Hmm. And you will t- try all night. He proved it to Peter how many times? Peter never learns anything before twice, right? At least two or three times. Before the cock rose two times, you will deny me thrice. Okay. Three times that fellow has to come <laughs> and say, eat, eat, eat. Okay, nothing. Before before three times, he'll, he'll, he'll learn nothing. Okay, that's but God is willing. He's willing to teach us. Then all your sons will be taught of the Lord. So he says, the Holy Spirit himself will come and teach you. All things, whatever your field is. Whatever your field is. Administration, engineering, computer science, programming. What do you need? The Holy Spirit. Okay, he's the one who created this whole world. Okay, equations come from, it's a powerful word, no? Powerful word, he says, he upholds everything by the what? No, he doesn't say powerful word. The word of his, of his power. What? I mean, it's, it's, I think in that, in that one sentence you can do a PhD. Try to understand what that means. The word of his power. It's very powerful. He, Upholds everything by the word of his power. If he is the one who is upholding everything by the word of his power, then if we are his children and if we are we are his we have his Holy Spirit, why can't we understand the things that we are supposed to understand? Amen. Amen. Okay. Look at what it says in uh, for, about, about Jesus, how the Spirit of God taught him. Isaiah chapter fifteen. Verse 4, the word for t- teaching it comes from the Hebrew word limud, which means to disciple. To teach. Hmm? The Lord God has given me the tongue of the instructed or the tongue of the learned or the tongue of the taught. Hmm? 
that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He wakens me morning by morning. He wakens my ear to hear as the learned. And the Lord has given, has opened my eye, uh, my ear and I was not rebellious, neither turned away my back. So every day in the morning, he taught Jesus. That is the reason why it says in Acts chapter 1 that Jesus through the Holy Spirit taught his disciples commandments before he was taken into heaven. He will, he's the one who's going to teach you on what things? All things. What things? His divine power has given us all things pertaining to life. And if you'll heard the the Nepali service, life is what to, how how to earn your money, how to become successful in your workplace, hmm? etc. That is life. And godliness. Where you can have always have a right standing with God. Okay. The constant, one constant guide He has given us is the very presence of God, the power of God, the same power which rose Jesus from the dead is available to each one of us. But that same El Shaddai, El Shaddai, but in order for that to happen, walk thou before me and be thou blameless or perfect. That's the second thing. First thing what? He gives us the assurance that we are his sons. And therefore, because we are his sons, he disciplines us. Second, what does he do? He is he is going to be that one constant guide in our lives. He will teach us everything for us. Everything. Whatever is relevant for your situation, whatever your profession may be, he is going to teach us all things. Second, third thing. Look at what it says. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send you to, uh, send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me and you also will bear what? Witness. You know what he does? He makes us into what? Witnesses. He is the one who becomes, he comes inside of us and makes us into witnesses for God. Witnesses. In other words, he gives us the conviction. The word for witness is powerful, which we, which means, uh, to, to be ready to die for what you stand for. Martyr. Okay. He is the one who gives you that assurance. This is truth, man. And you can live and die on this. Okay. Revelation chapter 1. Look at what it says. Revelation chapter 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must sh- t- take place shortly. And he sent and signified it by the, his angel of his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus. He makes us into the, into the people who will live a life of Christ. How does Christ live? Look at me. This is how we will live. And one constant prayer should be in your life. Lord, make me a little more like Jesus this year. A little more, a little more patient, a little more loving, a little more long-suffering, etc., etc., etc. Why? Look at what it says in Revelation chapter 19 again. This is, again, we know this verse very well. It says, and I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brothers whom I have the, who, who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is what? Is a spirit of prophecy. Is a spirit of so understand this so he will teach us all things I mean he will train us he will teach us and he will uh, make make us into his witnesses he gives us the power to witness to be a witness so that is the reason why he says wait in Jerusalem until you are endowed with power from on high and what, what, what will happen to you you will become my witnesses right you will be witnesses of my life my life especially of the resurrection life John's Gospel chapter 16, the fourth one. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. 
But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, what will he do? He will bring what? Convictions into your life. He will bring strong convictions. He will bring the... the, I mean, he will increase, just not convict you. He will also develop and rot convictions into our hearts. This is what the standards of God are. Don't compromise. Who will teach us? The Holy Spirit. Remember this verse very well. This is our famous verse. Everybody knows this verse very well. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. What does it say? All scripture is what? Is God breathed. Is given by the spirit of God. And what does it do? It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof. The word for reproof is for convictions, for correction, for instruction and righteousness. So he is the one who will develop and Develop strong convictions into your life. Remember that very old, uh, um, that forward that we got from about John MacArthur and he was tra- telling his, like his next generation, what should we have? What is your one advice to the next generation? He says, one thing before you go to college, have strong convictions. And who brings those strong convictions? It is the Holy Spirit. He is the Holy Spirit. He is the one who develops and says, you know what? These are the standards of God. Never compromise on it. That's exactly what happened to Daniel. When he went into Babylon, he was having those strong convictions. You know what he says? I will not defile myself. Strong convictions in the life of Joseph. So when he went to Egypt and when he saw all those temptations, he said, how can I do such things against God? How did he know? How did he know that adultery was sin? Because the law came much, much, much later. Because the Holy Spirit taught him. He had strong convictions. Strong convictions. Finally, the fifth one. John's Gospel, chapter 16. <clears throat> I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them. Now, you know what the Holy Spirit does? He knows exactly what your level is. And according to your level, He will put the burden. He knows you so well. That's what, that's what, that's what I mean, no? Uh, when, when He knows, uh, I, I was talking to, uh, our, uh, trainer over here, professional cricketer, no? You know what He does when He's training His, uh, his to his students to bat. He has got a bowling machine. Okay, you know how how does he start? The student says, "Sir, maximum speed hundred kilometers per hour." And the sir says, "Okay, go, no problem." So when he goes and he starts batting, the ball comes at hundred kilometers per hour. Okay, and now he's getting used to hundred kilometers per hour. And without them knowing, you know, he increases the speed in the bowling machine. Okay. And those guys are playing the ball as if they're playing when it is 100 kilometers per hour. And by the time they finish the training session and they come back and see the bowling machine, how much, how much speed do you go to? Up to 140. That is almost test match speed. And how did you start? 100. And where did you end? 140. You thought you could never do it. But he knows exactly what the student is capable of. And gradually he will increase. That's what he's saying. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Okay. I have so many things in mathematics to tell Abigail, but she cannot bear bear it now. Okay. Honestly, you know, some of the things that she does, because I have um, gone to robotics, she she does um, some mathematic problems. When I look at it, I say, boy, this is what we did in robotics. No, and she's doing it now and she doesn't even realize what she's doing. She doesn't even realize what she's doing. And if I were to tell her, I can't say, I can't bring that, that to her. She cannot bear it now. Okay. 
<laughs> okay, there was, uh, there was, I mean, I, I, I recently, you know, there was like, actually two, three months back, she was struggling with one pace in mathematics. It was one, uh, one zero seven zero. I know the number seven, eight, seven, nine, whatever, huh? She was struggling. Okay. The calculations were terrible, unbelievable calculations and, uh, and there were multiple layers to the problem. Then I was thinking about it. How do I teach this? It and and suddenly I remembered was something called as magic square, which I learned some time back. You know magic square, right? I mean, how many of you remember magic square? Then I just thought that applied magic square, and he suddenly got excited. But you know what? Where we use magic squares? We use it in transformations. That is where you use uh, use uh, magic square, and where do you use it? You use it in time domain transformations. You you converting time domain into frequency domain. And what we are doing, I am using the, 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 the ideas in robotics in, in, in a level, in, in eighth level now. I mean, sorry, it's level seven. But I can't tell her that. You know why? Because she cannot bear it. So the Holy Spirit knows exactly what your level is. That is the reason why it says, He will not allow you to be tempted more than what you can bear, but with every temptation, what will He do? He will give you a, a way of escape. So that you can so he knows us. So this is important. That is the reason why to stay in the presence of God is so important. What do you have in the presence of God? You hear his voice. You have the convictions of the Holy Spirit. And you have light. Because the entrance of the world brings light. But there cannot be light in your life unless until there is Ruach, the Holy Spirit. Understand that? So he cannot, you cannot bear all these things. So gradually he will increase the, 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 the pressure. Okay. No, no, Abigail is like, Emmanuel, your mathematics so easy. I know, very easy. I know when, when you are struggling with the same thing, right? Honestly, you know, I was teaching the other day, I was looking at a level three student. They were doing recursive algorithm in level three. And they don't even realize it. I looked at it and I said, I was getting excited because <laughs> this is what I taught in first year, first semester in BTEC. But can they bear it now? They can't. You see, we have a tremendous guide. The Holy Spirit who knows what our level is. And you know what he does? He doesn't just keep you at that level. He will slowly like our coach, he will increase the speed. Slowly, slowly, slowly. And it is so seamless that you don't even realize it's happening. And by the time you finish, are 140, now I can face Shobakhtar, almost, no? close to, I can face any ball, Shobakhtar, what have you. I'm ready for test match. <laughs> right? Think about it. That is the guy that we have. Look at what he says. I still have many things to say, but you cannot bear them. Now, and he says, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into, how much truth? All truth, meaning what? All truth that you need to know. That's all. The all truth that you can bear about yourself and about God. <laughs> Sometimes God will show his holiness we cannot bear. We cannot bear that light and we will go blind like Saul of Tarsus. That's exactly what happened. Maybe Saul needed, I mean, because he was already at PhD level, maybe, I don't know. He needed that 10,000 sun's appearance. Boom! Finished! <laughs> because this guy was, when it came, comes to the righteousness according to the law, what did he say? Perfect! He's saying, I'm already perfect! Oh, you're already perfect? Okay. Let me show you my light. 
Boom! That's it. He was blinded. <laughs> These standards of God I cannot bear. <laughs> that is the reason why he says he was born out of time. <laughs> okay, boom. Okay, so you cannot bear them now. But he says, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak of his own authority. Actually, the word for authority is, is in italics, means that he will not speak from himself. And what does he do? But whatever he hears, what will he do? He will speak. It's remarkable. In other words, Holy Spirit has a, has a ear. You don't never, never imagine the Holy Spirit as a person. That's what he's saying. Whatever he hears, he, he has a ear and he has a mouth. Amazing. So if we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we will also be able to hear and we will also be able to speak. It's amazing, no? What a, what a, what a gift that God has given us. Therefore he says, is repentance bad? Like Pastor kept on asking that question in one of the sermons uh, last year. He says, is repentance bad? Repent, for you shall receive the what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. And can you, do you have to earn it? No. You have to earn a degree, but not the Holy Spirit. Okay. He's there for all who believes. Understand that. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own, but whatever he, he hears, he will speak. And he will what? Tell you to things to come. You know what it means? He will prepare you for the exam. Okay? What are you doing ultimately? There's an exam. There are two exams. The exams that we will face in this life. And ultimately we will face before the judgment shed of Christ. Two exams. Understand? Two exams we will face. Examinations after examination. You know what it says in the book of Job? The Lord tests me. How long? How often? Excuse me? Every moment. Thank you very much, Sammy. Every moment the Lord tests. So if you have to pass the exam every moment, what do you need? The Spirit of Christ. That is the reason why the Bible says in John's first, second Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5, he says, examine yourself to see if you are in the faith, to see if Christ Jesus is inside of you. Otherwise you have become what? What is that? What does reprobate mean? A person who has failed the test. The person who has failed the test. Understand this. So, he will not speak of his own authority. He will speak. He will guide you into all truth. He will hear. He will speak. And he will tell you of the things to come. Meaning, he will tell you. These are, you have to be prepared. There's going to be an examination which is coming. I'm taking you through a process. You may not understand it right now. But the examination is coming. I already saw the question paper. And I'm giving you training in accordance with the question paper. Okay. So you will be able to, uh, please, if you turn with me to, um, uh, if you can um, put uh, uh, Proverbs chapter uh, one, if you if you if if I'm right, Proverbs chapter one, uh, and I'll exactly tell you the verse. Proverbs chapter one, you can put it in NKJV, Sami. Proverbs chapter one. Hmm? And verse number. Um, and KJV, KJV doesn't matter. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse number, verse number 22 onwards. Look at what it says. How long you simple ones will you love simplicity? And you scorners delight in your scorning and you fools hate knowledge. Verse 23, it says, 
turn you at my reproof. And what will I do? I will pour out my spirit. Thank you very much. Yeah, I will pour out my spirit upon you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called and you refused. Because you have disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will also mock when your terror comes. When your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish will come upon you. Then you will call upon me but I will not answer. Then you will seek me diligently but you will not find me. Why? Because you hated the fear of the Lord etc. And you did not choose the knowledge of God. So understand this. He says turn at my reproof and what will I do? I will pour out my spirit because there is calamity which is coming. This destruction which is coming. That is the reason why we saw these three uh, pictures in the in the in the in the book of Joel. The first one is what destruction. Second is uh, so desolation or destruction. Second is what restoration. And what is the final thing? He is judgments. And God says God says it is appointed unto man to die once, and then what? It is the judgment. So the fifth thing is very important. He he has many things to say. We cannot bear them all. But he says he will guide us into all truth. He will not speak of his own authority. He will hear and he will speak. And he will prepare you. Because he will tell you of the things to come. And he will tell you exactly how you should prepare for the coming days. That's exactly what happened to to, 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 to Joseph. Exactly what God told him. This is how you are to prepare for, for, for your coming days. That's exactly what Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. Seven times will come upon you. If you do not humble yourself and repent of your sins and show mercy and do justice, you know what is going to, what is going to happen to you? The watchers have decreed a decree that you will become like an animal. But did uh, Nebuchadnezzar take heed? No. Understand that. So he will warn you of things to come. And verse 14, he will glorify me. He will take of what is mine and he will declare it to you. All things that the Father has as mine. Therefore, I said to you, He will take of mine and He will declare it of you, out to you. This is what we call us anointing and increase in, in the anointing. One John chapter two. This is what it says. How does how do we get taught? It is the anointing which teaches us. One John chapter two verse twenty onwards. But you have an anointing from the Holy. This is the Holy Spirit. Okay, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but you, because you know it and that no lie is in the truth. And 1, 1 John chapter 2 verse 26 onwards. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing <clears throat> which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone should teach you. So that is the reason why we have to constantly have the anointing oil in our lives. And how should it be? It should be like a pipe. The two prophetic voices in the book of Zechariah. And uh, and the lampstand, which is continuously burning because there was anointing which was continuously being poured into their lives. Okay? Who are, who are those voices? Those are the voices that the Lord has placed uh, us under, I mean, uh, under whom the Lord has placed us, different kinds of spiritual leadership, so that when we come under the, uh, the, 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 the authority that God has placed us under, spiritual authority that God has, God has placed us under, what we are, what we are uh, recipients of, we are recipients of His Anointing. What are we recipients of? We are recipients of his anointing. How do I know this? Psalm 141. Verse 5. Look at what it says. Psalm 141 and verse 5. Famous verse. I mentioned it some time back. Let the righteous strike you. Strike you. It shall be what? What? Strike of righteous is equal to? Kindness. That is the reason why it says, better be the scoldings of a friend than the kisses of the enemy. Mm -hmm. And it, it says, and let him rebuke me and it shall be what? 
excellent oil in, in Telugu. It is very interesting. Tailabhishekam. Let not my head refuse it. Continuous oil. And you know what God, God does? Because it is only the humble he can teach his ways. You need the spirit of grace to be taught of God. You cannot do anything in and of yourself. You need the constant anointing. And why why do people not have the power? And Because they don't have the anointing. And why don't they not have the anointing? Because they have not been rebuked. That is the reason why it says in uh, in, in, in the first, uh, second Samuel chapter 1, it says the, the shield of Saul did not have what? Anointing. Why? Because he never came under the rebuke of God. And therefore, he had anointing once. After that, the Spirit of the Lord left him. And he could never be taught. He will teach you all things and he will prepare you. That is the reason why it says, the Lord is the one who prepares my hands for war and my fingers for what? For battle. Okay, so I have many things to say to you, but you have, you cannot bear them now. So, the presence of God, in the presence of God there are three things. First thing, you hear his voice. Second thing, what do you have? You have the presence of the Holy Spirit. Third thing you have, you have is light. What do you have light? You have the light about your own self. You have the light about your own self. And then you know what? That light, you know what? It will keep you from falling. And Jesus was continuously filled. And therefore he was continuously filled with the, with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And therefore he continuously overcame sin. Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7. Look at what, we know this verse very well. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with vehement cries and tears, and was able to save him from, uh, to him who was able to save him from death, and was heard because of his reverent fear. And what was the spirit that was rest upon, resting upon him? It was the spirit of the fear of the Lord, and he delighted in the fear of the Lord. And that is when you have light, when you have the anointing, you have light, you have light about your own self. The word of God becomes quick, it becomes living, it becomes active, and you know exactly what your heart condition is. Hebrews chapter 4. The word of the Lord is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Hmm? Piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit, discerner of the joints and the marrow, discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of a heart. No creature can be hidden from his sight, but everything is naked and open to the eyes of him who must give, to whom we must give an account. Therefore, don't hide. But if you are in Adam, you will hide. And if you are a Cain, you will run. But if you are in Christ, you know what we will do? You will bring out everything into into light. Because you know why? There is therefore now no what? Condemnation for those who are in Christ. Amen? And you know what we'll, what you'll say? You will continuously desire his presence. Look at what it says in Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33. <clears throat> then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know, know whom you send, uh, whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name and you have also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me your ways that I may know you, that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this is your people. And you know what the Lord says? And the Lord said, my presence will what? Go with you and I will give you rest. I will be there continuously teaching you the presence of God, the face of God, the goodness of God and the severity of God. We need both because the name of God has both both attributes. The goodness of God which draws us to him. Because it's the kindness of God which draws us and make, make causes, us, causes us to repent. And it is the terror of the Lord and the severity of God which keeps us from sinning. And what does the presence of God do? It gives us both faces of God. The face which is good and the face which is severe. Both is required for us. 
And when we have both these things, what we have? We have continuous anointing and we have the El Shaddai always there with us. And you know what he will, what he will rot? He will rot what we call as perfection and completion and you will be complete and thorough and you will be ready for every good work that God has in store for you in your lives. Amen. Okay, so don't run. Don't run. Don't hide. But be in Christ. Come to Christ. Come to Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation. There is no condemnation. I love that. I love that story, you know, when this woman caught in adultery is brought before Jesus. What do you say? What do you say? We caught this woman in the very act of adultery. Your standards are very high, right? You are the one who said, I know it has been written that you shall not commit adultery, but you said, but I say, if any man has lusted after a woman in his heart, he is Already committed adultery with her. Oh, you whose standards are very high. We have seen this woman caught in the very, caught in the very act. What do you say? You know what Jesus says? Powerful statement. He who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. He doesn't say, he who has not committed any sin. Milo papamu leni vadu. That's Telugu. Papamu cheyeni vadu gadu. Not the person who has not committed any sin, but the person who has no sin in his life. Cast the first stone. And what happens? It's remarkable. Everybody from the youngest to the oldest, actually from the oldest to the youngest, they leave the presence of God. And you know what he says? He looks at the woman, he says, woman, where are your accusers? Lord, they're not there. I also will not accuse you. Go and sin no more. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. What a powerful Testimony that we have in front of our eyes. So it doesn't matter what, where you have fallen, how we have fallen, you can come back to God because as long as you are in Christ, there is no condemnation. The outworking of the righteousness of God, the outworking of the righteousness of God is that you have no condemnation and you will walk without condemnation. Constantly having the assurance that you are his son. And because you are his son, you, you will be rebuked. I think uh, the covenant of David, I don't know which psalm is it? Where he talks about covenant of David. I will visit their iniquity with rods and their sin with stripes. Oh, that's a powerful word. If you can find that, it'll be great. Hmm? Which was Psalm 78 or 84 or something. I will visit their iniquity with rods and stripes, something like that. Something to that effect. Can't find Sammy? Maybe I should find that, okay. I love that verse because it's uh, gives you the assurance. I will visit their iniquity. Iniquity with rods. We have Google Dali, no? Let's see. Let's see. Just a minute. I have to find that verse. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. No, 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 Pastor. It is not that. I will visit his iniquity with rods and stripes. Ah, why not? Just give me a minute. Let me just find it find it out for you. And uh, just enjoy that verse. Okay. It's a beautiful verse. Ah, 89. You read from verses, uh, uh, from verse, uh, 30 onwards, maybe. Hmm? Can you, you can put it there? What does it say? Uh, you can, uh, 30 onwards. Yeah. Then, no, 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 30 onwards, 30 onwards. If his sons forsake my law and do not walk in my judgments, if they break my statutes, 
if his sons, okay? And do not keep my commandments. Look at what it says in the next verse. Then I will punish their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. Nevertheless, look at the next verse. My loving kindness, previous verse. Nevertheless, my loving kindness I will not utterly take from him, nor allow my faithfulness to fail. My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. You can underline it in your Bible and enjoy for the rest of your life. Once I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie his to David, his seed shall endure forever and his son as a son before me. And we are all <laughs> by faith, the sons of David, the son of, our, son of our David. And if we as sons of David forsake this, forsake his law, what will he do? He will visit us. He will visit us. But he will never take his loving kindness away from our lives. And it is in kindness, in this, it is a kindness of God that he will bring us back and discipline us. Thank God for that kind of an assurance. So the five, five uh, workings of the Holy Spirit we looked at. And let's move on to the next. So what is the ultimate purpose? The ultimate purpose is to make us blemishless or blameless or perfect. And how does he do it? It says in, verse, uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and he gave himself for us. And that he might sanctify her, cleanse her, by the what? By the washing of water by the word. Okay. Washing of water by the word means he will pour his word into our lives. And then what does he do? That he might present her to himself as a what church? First glorious church. Having no spot. Having no wrinkle. That he should be holy. And he should be without blemish or perfect or blameless before him. That's what God, God, God desires to do in everyone's life. And more so in us who are the seed of Abraham. So let us go back to Genesis chapter 17. No, look at these two verses. I've got such incredible, incredible depth. God is so layered in his Bible, in his word. So when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham. And what did he do to him? He said to him. I like that. What did he do? He said to him. The Hebrew word is Amar. Amar. To say, I am almighty God. Walk before me. I am El Shaddai God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant with, uh, covenant between me and you and I will multiply you exceedingly. So how does Abraham respond? How should you and I respond? I love this. <clears throat> then Abraham fell on his face. You see, when you have such a powerful visitation of God, what can you do but fall flat on his face? Fall flat on your face. This is a position, this is a posture of total absolute humility and knowing that you are, your absolute worthlessness before God. That's exactly what happens to Daniel. When Daniel sees the vision of God, you know what happens to him? He says, I fell flat on my face and in, 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 in KJV it's very powerful. He says, my comeliness turned in me into corruption and I fell flat before his face as a one who's dead. When John sees God in the island of Patmos, you know what, what does he do? He fell, falls flat on his face before God. He hasn't, he has a revelation who, who, of who God is in his, in all his power and in his, all his holiness. And you know what that God's saying? I am going to be with you. I'm going to empower you. So in the first verse, he spoke to Abraham. And when Abraham fell flat on his face, what did, what happened to him now? I like that. <laughs> I like that. What, what happened to you? He began to talk to Abraham. You know the word, Hebrew word is? The Hebrew word is Dabar. 
The one word is, the first word is speak amar, and the second word is dabar, from which actually the, 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 the equivalent translation, transliteration in the, into the, into, um, translation into the Greek is rema. Now he begins to get a specific word for his life now. He begins to have a conversation, revelation, as to how this is going to happen to him in his life. Look at what he says. As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. I'm going to change your destiny now. No longer shall your name be Abraham. Okay. Abraham is what your father gave you. Exalted father. And your name shall be, you know what? Abraham. Why? Like that. For I have, I have, I will make you God. I have made you. I have made you a father of many nations. And then, look at what it says. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you. And kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. Then what happens? How do you have this covenant? He who is eight days old among you, you shall be circumcised. What you should do? What should, what should you do? So that this covenant which I have given you should become, I mean, which should truly come into pass into your lives. What you should do? All those people who are eight days on, older, uh, you shall be circumcised. Every male child in your generations. He who is born in your house or bought with money from any foreigner who is not your descendant. He who is born in your house, he who is bought with your money must be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. And what does he do now? Look at what he says. He calls him Abraham, right? Then the Lord said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall call no longer call her what? Sarai. But you shall call her name Sarah. Which means what? Because she's going to be a mother of many nations. So two people's destiny is being changed. Their spiritual destiny is being changed. So when El Shaddai comes and he enters into a covenant with you, you know what's going to happen? Your destination, your destiny, he was going to change your destiny. How does it happen? By we coming into a covenant with him. That is a covenant of circumcision for him. But for us in the new covenant, it's something something else. So look at the consistency of scripture though. When Abraham was 99 years old, Abraham was 99 years old, God asked him to get circumcised the very same day he got circumcised, right? And what did God call him after that? His name was Abraham. Notice Ishmael's name did not change. Ishmael remained Ishmael. Okay. Now look at what. Look at the consistency of scripture. On the day he was circumcised, his name was changed, meaning this is this is now your spiritual God-given destiny. Look at what it says in Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, on the eighth day. Verse 59. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. His mother answered, No, he shall be called John. That's the destiny. What does it mean? The Lord is gracious. His name 
on the eighth day, you get a spiritual name, a new beginning. Eight signifies what? A new beginning. Look at another, another this is consistency again of scripture. It's not one, two, three. In the mouth of three witnesses, everything gets established. Abraham was, Abraham was 99 years old. On the day he got circumcised, God gave him a new name, called him what? Abraham. He called his wife Sarah. On the very day that he got circumcised, he changed his spiritual destiny. In other words, they will begin to possess their spiritual destiny now. On the eighth day, he circumcised John. I mean, they did not call him Zechariah. He called him what? John. Why? Not after his father. His father did not believe, but this man will believe. Okay. He will have a destiny which God wants to give him. And again, look at the consistency of scripture. Luke's, Luke's gospel chapter 2. The, our, our, our very Lord, Jesus Christ. Verse 21. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the ty- of the child, he called his name Jesus. You see that? For he shall save his people from there. That is the spiritual destiny. And what does it tell me? What does circumcision signify therefore? It signifies you are no confidence in the flesh and that now, now you are beginning to possess your God-given destiny. Okay, now you're beginning to possess your God-given destiny. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. <clears throat> Look at what it says. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks that he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. But before that, I think we should look at verse 3. Sorry, I didn't put verse 3 here. Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. Yeah, 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 thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you, yeah. Verse 3, put it up there on the screen, okay. For we are the circumcision. Three things. Who worship God? Philippians chapter three verse three, bro. Three three. Before I there, before I. What does it say? For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, who rejoice in Christ Jesus, and third thing, who have no confidence in the flesh. That means what? Now truly, the very spiritual. I mean, we begin to experience. You know, it's like this. No, the moment you cut away. And put no confidence in the flesh. That is when the spirit of God begins to operate. You will really experience the El Shaddai of God. The power of God flowing through you. Your source will no no longer be the source of the flesh. Which is of the devil. Your source will be the power of God himself. But how is that being wrought? It's being wrought because what? You have put no confidence in the flesh. And what is happening? The very pre- the power of God. Now what is what is happening? You worship God in the spirit first thing. Second thing, you rejoice in Christ Jesus. Third thing, you have no confidence in the flesh. And actually all those things that you think that are very very mm, powerful in the flesh, you consider them as rubbish and dung. It says, for though I have I might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone thinks that he may, he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so circumcised when on the eighth day, but that did not actually rot that spiritual destiny in my life. This, the, the new, in the new, new covenant, circumcision is completely different. What is circumcision? The God-given destiny. We stop saying, "Lord, I die to my flesh and I want to live unto God." It is one way is when you begin to uh, live in the reality of your baptism. So, how does this come to pass in the life of Abraham? How does Abraham outwork this in his life? outworking of this in his life. How does Abraham begin to possess his God-given destiny? In Romans chapter 4. Let's see. This is when God visits him when he is 99 years old. The revelation is always there in the new covenant, right? Romans chapter 4 and verse 19 onwards. And not being weak in faith. He did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 
100 years or 99 years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. And what did he do? He gave glory to God. Then, and being fully convinced that he who had promised, he was also able to perform it. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. So, let us see. First, I mentioned this sometime back. There are several lessons to be learned. First thing, he did not allow the facts to influence his faith. That is no confidence. Second thing, he did not waver in the promise of God. That means he would not doubt. Okay. That's the reason why it says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. But let him ask without doubting. Because a man who is doubting is like a wave tossed to and fro. That man will receive nothing. Why? Because he is unstable in all his ways. So he did not allow facts to influence his faith. Second, he did not waver in the promise of God. God has given us his promise. So we'll hold on to it. Okay, we'll grab it with both hands. Lord, I do not want to miss all that you have for me this year. All that you have for me this year. Lord, I do not want to become a hindrance to it. I want to possess everything that you have for me for this year. He did not waver. First, he did not allow facts to influence his faith. So you may be, you might be looking at your outward circumstances and say, Lord, is it possible? You look at, look at your own self. You look, look at your past failings. Okay. Is it possible, Lord? God says it is possible. Okay. That is when he visited Abraham when he was 99 years old when he had actually lost all hope. In other words, Abraham came to the point of total desolation. 99 years old, what can you produce? Nothing. So he did not allow the facts to influence his faith. Second, he did not waver in the promise of God. Third, he became what? Strong in faith. So you have to Move with people. That's what I'm saying, right? You have to move with people who will strengthen your faith and not, who will edify you and not pour cold water on your faith. Remember, even Jesus had three people. Who? Peter, James and John. That's it. Peter, James and John. These are the people who stood close to Jesus. They had faith, which was weak, but they had faith. He became strong in faith. That is the reason why come together as often as you can, as, as, as believers, so that you can come under the teaching of the word of God, so they can be strengthened in faith. Okay? It is the hearing which comes from faith which will give you the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 3, if you can put verse 5. Galatians 3 verse 5, you know, just comes to my mind. Galatians chapter 3 verse 5. He who supplies the spirit and works miracles among you. Will he do? Yeah, thank you. He who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing which comes from faith? Understand it. Remember, Jesus says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. Open. For everyone who asks, receives. And how do you ask? Friend. My friend. That You remember that friend? The importunate friend? Because of his continual coming. Kept on asking, asking, asking. And he says, if you being evil fathers can give gifts to your children, how much more your father in heaven will give you the what? The Holy Spirit, if only you. Now the point is, how do we ask? We ask in our secret closet of prayer. That is one way we ask. Second way, second, second way we ask is when we come and sit under the teaching of the Holy Spirit and we receive the word of God by faith, what happens? 
which says, therefore he who supplies the spirit and works miracles among you, will he do that by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? If you start listening to the word of God and when faith, when you receive it by faith, you know what happens? Or the very spirit of God begins to fill you. You continuously be, uh, you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. That is the reason why it says in Psalm 103, how pleasant, uh, uh, pleasant it is to seek brothers to dwell together in unity because it is there. You have the anointing of God. And when you see the word, when all of us come together and we sit under the teaching of the word of God and we receive the word of God by faith, you know what God is doing doing to us? He's filling us with the Holy Spirit. He's filling us. It is one way, one way we ask. How do we ask? We come regularly. We take every opportunity, especially under the person whom God has appointed you over. Under. You come under that person. Listen to the teaching over and over and again, over and again, because that is where the Lord says he has pronounced a blessing, even life forevermore. So, he did not waver in his promise. How did he not waver in his promise? By becoming strong in the faith. So he did not allow anybody or anything to put water on, on his, on his convictions. Then, fourth thing, he was focused on the glory of God. What is my aim? Focus on the glory of God. Remember, it was, I think, uh, 2015, just before we were getting ordained, uh, Pastor Eric and I, um, Pastor gave us a, give me a book actually. It was, um, it was by Oswald Sanders. And the, I forget the title of the book. I was reading the first, first, first page, first verse was from the book of Jeremiah, where Jeremiah was telling Baruch, Baruch, yeah, chapter 45. What did he tell Baruch? Baruch? Ah, oh, thank you so much, Peter. You are spot on. Seekest thou great things for yourself? Seek them not. I mean, I can never forget that. The very first one, I opened the book, that the first word that came to me, this was just two few, few months before we got ordained. What did, you know what? Seekest thou great things for yourself? What? Seek them not. Let me tell you something. The truth which I have learned. There is a judgment of God. Which is coming. But God protects a few. You know whom he protected? From the judgment of God which fell on the on the people of God on Judah. First he protected who? Jeremiah. Thank you very much. He protected Jeremiah. Let me tell you something. Those people who, who have a call of God, who are the preachers of the word of God, they will enjoy a special protection. So don't fight them. It's exactly what happened to Zedekiah. Zedekiah had all his bodyguards and Jeremiah had none. He had all the bodyguards. He tried to escape. You know what happened? His army fled, deserted him and he was found out. You know what God did? First, before his very eyes, God slaughtered all his sons. And then you know what he did? He put out his eyes. But Jeremiah, Enjoy protection. So, the first kind, if you are a genuine preacher of the word of God, you will enjoy divine protection. It's not that, I mean, it's not that uh, you will not be persecuted, but you will, before your time, nothing is going to happen. You will enjoy divine protection. And the second thing, Baruch. He escaped the judgment. You know what God says? Because you are a faithful student and you came under the anointing and the teaching of the prophetic. You know what's going to happen to you? Your life will be a prayer for you. I will protect you. The third kind. You know who that first person is? 
Excuse me? Abed Melech. It's interesting. The Bible, the, the book of Jeremiah starts with this, with this very interesting rhetorical question. Can an Ethiopian change his color? And, or a leopard, leopard its spots? And it's very interesting. There is one Ethiopian in the entire book of Jeremiah who changes his color. And who is he? Abed Melech, the Ethiopian eunuch. And what does he do? He protects the prophetic word. And he enjoys divine protection. Okay. These are truths that you have to put them in your heart. So when you know what God is telling us? Be a Baruch. Be a Baruch. Don't seek for big things for yourself. Do what you are asked to do. That is the reason why it says, whatever giftings that you have got, that God has given you in 1st Peter chapter 4, verse 3 says, as the manifold stewards of the grace of God, do it. If you are a a person who is called to teach, teach as the oracles of God. And if you are a person who is ministering, minister it in the strength that God provides so that in all things who gets the glory? God gets the glory. God gets the glory. Do not seek big things for yourself. You want to enjoy the protection of God? Come under prophetic teaching. You will enjoy divine protection. Don't flee like Cain. You will enjoy divine protection. It's amazing how Abed Malik, Baruch and Jeremiah are spared. And who comes and speaks kindly? The very enemies of God. Nebuchadnezzar and Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the host, comes and speaks kindly to Jeremiah. Go wherever you want, you go and enjoy. Amazing. Amazing. You will enjoy divine protection. Okay. Baruch will enjoy divine protection because he will never seek for big things for himself. Oh, I'm under Jeremiah now. One day, one day I'm going to become the prophet in charge and then I will have glory. <laughs> Jeremiah says, <laughs> Baba, I'm not married. You didn't, don't seek glory for yourself. Okay. Don't seek big things for yourself, Baruch. Okay. He was focused on the glory of God. Fifth one. He abandoned himself completely on the faithfulness of God and on the power of God. Completely abandoned. Okay. That is a new covenant. Okay. How does a new covenant start? On the cross. When Jesus pronounces. What does he pronounce, Sammy? Into your hands, Lord, I commit my spirit. That is how the new covenant starts. Complete, total abandon on the purposes of God. Complete. So five things. Don't allow the facts. Oh, past failures are facts. Your resume is a big fact. <laughs> okay, so don't try to doctor your resume. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Your resume is a fact, but notwithstanding. Say, Lord, you empower me. You open the door for me. And that is the reason why it says in, um, uh, to the church in Philadelphia he says because you have kept the word of my patience what a sentence that is because you have kept the word of my patience I will also keep you from the hour of trial which is coming upon the whole world and I will protect you because you have persevered you had little strength but you kept the word of my patience so do not allow facts to influence your faith do not because facts don't care about feelings Feelings, truth doesn't care about facts. Facts don't care about feelings. That is the world. Truth doesn't care about your facts. Amen. 
he did not waver in the promise of God. Third, he became strong in faith. Fourth, he was focused on the glory of God. Fifth, he abandoned himself completely on the faithfulness of God and the power of God. And what do you say, Lord? Complete, total surrender to the best of my knowledge. Whatever it is, O Lord, I completely surrender myself today. To your, to your leading and whatever you, whichever position you've placed me under, I will not murmur. I will not complain. I will abandon myself completely to you. And I know if I do that, the very power of God, the El Shaddai of God. What is he going to do? He is going to change my life completely and he is going to enable me to fulfill my God-given destiny from barrenness to fruitfulness. What, how can, what kind of fruitfulness? Exceedingly multiplied fruitfulness. Exceedingly multiplied fruitfulness. Amen? So with those words, I want to encourage you and exhort you. So this... Last Saturday, we still have, I think, three more days. I think, so Tuesday's first? Tuesday's first? Monday's, no, no, Monday's not first. Tuesday's first, yeah. Tuesday's first, if I'm right, yeah. Today's 29th, 30, 31st, yeah, Tuesday's first. So we have two more days to go, and on the third day, he will be perfected. So, <laughs> so two more days, and God said he is going to pour out his blessings upon us in the, in the which month? In the first month, still believe. Abandon yourself. Don't give up the study of the word of God and that every time that you have given, you have been given opportunities, work to the best of your ability. Don't lose, don't waste your time. Don't get discouraged. Don't get depressed and let not circumstances and your own failures cause you to get depressed. Work on, press on, forget those things which are past and press on towards the high calling which is of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, yesterday we were looking at um, uh, our devotions, no? We are our, our daily devotions. Like we are reading now, one day at a time, sweet Jesus, now it's become a part of our family devotions. Uh, yesterday's devotion was play or pray. Have you read it? Play or pray. Hmm? So Moses went up to the mountain to pray and the Israelites were downstairs to play. Then I said, you know what? One person is missing. Excuse me? Thank you so much, Joshua. Joshua was neither praying nor playing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I asked Abigail and Emmanuel. I said, uh, Abigail and Emmanuel, what do you think we are? Are we praying or are we playing or are we jo- like Joshua playing nor playing nor praying? And uh, like Moses. And you know what, what, what Emmanuel said? No, no, I'm like Moses. I said, huh, really? <laughs> I said, really? Then, then Abigail says, no, daddy, uh, I think I'm like Joshua. I said, praise God. Thank God you're not playing. At least you are in the middle way going towards praying. Let us be like Joshua in the middle going towards praying and not playing. Some of us are still playing. Kabaddi. Coco. <laughs> okay. Okay, some of us are still praying. So don't play. But press on towards praying. Okay, we still not have become Moses, okay? The first audience fast. <clears throat> 40 days, 40 nights. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, for this day that you have given to us. You are El Shaddai God, the Almighty God. And you visited Abraham. First you spoke to him. And then you had to talk to him. And you talked to him by giving him the revelation of the new name that he's going to get. When he fell flat on his face. A picture of absolute total surrender. 
Even though he laughed on his face, in his heart, and he said, can I rot something which is of God when I'm 99 years old? But you changed his destiny, Lord. And many of us, O oh Lord, we are in that point, O oh Lord, and we look at our own lives and we look at our past failures and our own circumstances. And we have to just laugh on our faces. Can anything good come out of my life? But thank God that you visited him at that point when he came to his rock bottom position. And you said, Abraham, if you begin not to put confidence in your flesh, I will change your destiny. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. The very power, the very breath of God, the power of God through the power of the Holy Spirit will empower you to be fruitful in your lives, in your life and to fulfill your God-given destiny. And I pray, Father, that each one of us will not lose heart, but will press on. Whatever be the failures of our past, we will not look, look at them. Even through this month, we might have failed. Even through this day, we might have failed. But thank God that you are visiting us every day. I pray, Father, that you would speak to us personally and exhort each one of us that we will hold on to the destiny that you have given to us, not wavering in faith, but totally abandoning ourselves to the faithfulness of God. To that end, I pray that you would bless your people, all of us. We are your people and we know, Father, that you are a father who wants the best for your children. Enable us to believe that. Enable us to experience the assurance of being your sons by having the Holy Spirit inside of our heart who is already there inside of us and let him continually increase that his lordship will increase in our lives and your word says where the spirit is lord there is liberty. We thank you father. Bless each one of us. Empower us. Strengthen us. Prepare us through this day and prepare us even for tomorrow when we are found in the house of the Lord to listen to your word. Speak to us. Continue to speak to us. Don't stop speaking to us. Equip us, Father, for the coming days. We thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all God's children said, Amen. God bless you.